This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Team Stripes Podcast. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Nat Swanson. What is up, buddy? Hey, man. How you been? Seems like uh, we're finally putting some of these out on a regular basis now. Oh, I know. Finally, uh, you know, we're getting back in our rhythm, and we're just going to keep it going and and not have big breaks like we had previously. So we're talking on, uh, let's see, today is what, Monday? Yeah, today's Monday. Monday the 12th, yeah. So let's see what's happened in the world of hockey. So we have the Vegas Golden Knights up three to one on the Florida Panthers. I think it's time to stick a fork in the Panthers. Now, granted, granted, I will say Florida might have Vegas right where they want them because they did have the best team in regular season NHL history. Yeah. Now they were down three to one. Yeah. Do we think the Panthers can pull it off? I I don't know, man. Like if they could play like they did in the third period and overtime of game three where they won, then yeah, Mm -hmm. but they got to start winning periods. They got to, I don't know. I hope so. I want to see Florida win, but I I think it's, I think it's the Knights. I think the Knights are going to. Yeah. I I just, as I, I, I would love to see, you know, well, actually no. So I, I have this weird, like, personal. This is going to be weird, but I, I it's just Panther fans drive me nuts. It's dressed like a seat night there, ninety percent of the time. You're not wrong. Um, there, I said it. Um, <laughs> I would love to see. You know, as much as we all love to see a game seven, as much as we all loved watching the Panthers come back from being down three to one on the Bruins, because let's be honest, when it comes to the Bruins, it's there's Bruins fans, and then everyone else just hates the Bruins. Right. Um. So. I think we're going to Vegas. It's done. That building is going to be rocking. Lord Stanley's Cup's going to be in the building, and um, yeah, it's it's inevitable. I think a team with only six seasons in the NHL is going or five. Is it five or six? I don't even know. Yeah, I think it's six. A team with six um, six seasons in the National Hockey League is going to win the Stanley Cup, um, which is absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, heck, they almost won it their first year in the league. So uh, congratulations maybe to the Golden Knights or let's keep her going. Um, So what else? Uh, Over the weekend, the Florida Everblades swept to win the ECHL's Kelly Cup for their back-to-back win of the Kelly Cup. So congratulations to the Everblades, a team that I get to see multiple times throughout the season. Yeah. Um, so congrats to them. I think um, I think the Calder Cup's going to go longer than the Stanley Cup this I year. Think I, well, don't they normally go a little bit longer sometimes? Yeah, they might but, sometimes. And they're also weird, don't they? I think they go 5-5-7-7 five, five, seven, seven yeah, in their series it, length, which is weird. Because it's, it's definitely... Yeah, because it's it's Coachella and Hershey, right? Yeah. Um, so like, they couldn't wait. be further apart. No, you're talking west. <laughs> that, that's like the old school West Coast, East Coast. Yep. But yeah, pretty sure it's like five five, and then the conference and the Calder Cup are seven. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that one's going to go probably until at least mm, I don't know next three or four days. Yep. Um, Let's see. Going back to the ECHL first, I would like to congratulate the guys that uh, put in the time all season, worked their butts off. The guys that did work the Kelly Cup finals, um, even though there are only four games, which kind of stinks. But I'd like to just say congrats to, uh, let's see, podcast guest Logan Gruel. Uh, We had Sam Heideman, John Linder, Alex Normandon, and Nolan Bloyer. Uh, who Nolan was presented with the Birmingham Memorial Award yeah. as voted on by his peers. Yeah, congrats uh, on that, man. That's a big one. It is absolutely a big one. Um, let's see. I'm just looking up here. So he's from Minnesota. 
uh, work, let's see, you worked uh, playoffs, IHL or IIHF, sorry. Uh, also worked the uh, ECHL All-Star Game. Uh, so, and just a well-deserving, great kid. I worked with him a couple of times this season. Um, so congrats, dude. Um, and so that was it for the referees. On the linesman side, we had Brady Fagan, Chad Fuller, Brandon Grillo, Matthew Heenan, and Chris Williams. So fellas, congrats. Um, and for Alex and Chris, it was their fourth Kelly Cup Finals. So uh, nice. well done, fellas. Uh, enjoy the off season. I wish I could have come down on Friday. Um, I was planning on it. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to uh, to get down there. So congrats to them. Um, obviously, the American League still going, like we just mentioned. So now oh, the, the queue up north. Oh, the, the queue. queue. Oh yeah, we got to say c- congratulations to Patrick Waugh yeah. and the uh, Quebec Ramparts for winning was the Memorial cup, correct? Yeah. Right. So, well, yeah. Well, and they just, uh, they just, they just said that next year, no more fighting. Yeah. That's nuts. Right. But I what's mean, crazy is, is it didn't come from them. It came from the government. Really? The government in Quebec said, we will not give you guys money if you allow fighting. Wow. So, I mean, that's wow. That that's, it I, is... I am interested to see how the fans react to this because what what do you do if whether it be in quebec or any of the other q cities the fans say you know what no fighting we're not going what if nobody shows up to games anymore i mean i don't know does it turn into like american college hockey you know that that's the i I don't know i i know that especially in the the style of the game is going to be different i mean guys are going to Obviously, it, it's not like it's not a louder band or whatever. Guys, there's still going to be a fight here and there, yeah, but it'll be crazy to see what the. Um, it's just a game misconduct, you know. Yeah. Craziness, and I'm which, sure it'll be progressive and all of that stuff. Which you know, early season is going to be, and anybody, all the guys working oh. the queue, it's going to be tough. And then uh, while I'm pulling up the list of officials, uh, so we had the International Ice Hockey Federation um, introduce their first female official into the Hall of Fame. Um, Referee Sandra Dombrowski from, uh, I believe she was Swiss. Um, Yep. And then let's see what else. We had the Champions Hockey League, which I really don't know much about. They're over in Europe. They added a couple of uh, interesting rule changes for next season. Penalties will still be assessed when a goal is scored on a delayed penalty. So NCAA rule for those of right. you that know that. But get this. Minor penalties will still be will be served for their full two minutes. So the rule that used to be the rule back in like the twenties until the NHL yeah. was like, Hey, the Montreal Canadians power plays too good. Yeah. We so they're only going to get. Yep. So now here's the cool rule that I really like. <laughs> oh, man. If yeah. they short, if the team that is shorthanded scores that... a shorthanded goal, their guy comes out of the box. Right. Yeah. That that's the only thing that kills a minor penalty. That's man. I... <laughs> so that's... if I, t- if we take a minor, you know, go down five on four. I'm putting my four fastest guys on the ice. And and maybe and keep that's... in mind they're allowed to ice it while they're short. Right. So Dude. why not send a guy off that face off, send him for a breakaway, and see if he can sure score. Yeah, just, well, yeah, make sure he's on I mean, it's it, it's obvious that they think that their their game is stagnated, right? And it's just you know the the defending team the man down team is just playing pure defense and not moving yeah. the puck at all so so why not reward them i like right. it yeah be like hey okay here's a reward for some for some offense uh, otherwise you're just going to get shelled and you're going to get scored on and you're going to lose um yep um and then just a real quick since we you know we named our echl officials we'll uh, and we brought up the memorial cup here are the referees and linesmen that worked the memorial cup so referees, uh, Chris Critch from the Western Hockey League, Dave Lewis, Ontario Hockey League, Steve Papp, Western Hockey League, and Simone 
I'm not going to try to butcher your last name. Um, T-A-R-T-R-E. Uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Tartree, maybe? Um, linesman. Uh, Brian Burkoff, Ontario Hockey League. Uh, Maxime Desjardins, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, Ron Derlet, Western Hockey League. I think I messed that one up too. Sorry, buddy. Uh, Chad Husby or Hughesby, Western Hockey League, and Nathan Van Oosten, Western Hockey League. So those were your linesmen. So congratulations, fellas. Job well done on getting to the Memorial Cup. Absolutely. So now that we are caught up on the world of officiating and the world of the NHL and everything else hockey-related, I think it's time we go over to our interview for this episode, and we are yeah. talking with Andy Hudson and uh, professional hockey goaltender played all the way up to the National Hockey League, Mike McKenna, about the Bill McKenna Scholarship uh, Foundation, and uh, we'll go ahead and go over to that interview. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back from the break. We get uh, our special guests here today from the Bill McKenna Scholarship Foundation, Andy Hudson and Mike McKenna. Uh, they're both on the board and uh, just kind of wanted to have them on to talk about what their foundation does, uh, who Mike McKenna or who, well, who Mike McKenna is, if you don't know who Andy Hudson is, uh, and then who Bill McKenna uh, is. So, gentlemen, welcome. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's great to have you on. A little bit different flavor here, and I really like it. So, um, welcome. Thanks for having us, guys. We got a full board today, man. We got four of us. It's we're all going to be competing for a little bit of airspace here. Let's get going. Absolutely. Uh, so, I started off. So, um, uh, yeah, Mike, if you want to introduce yourself to everybody, kind of, you know, uh, what is your story in a nutshell? Um, you know, pass it off to Andy. Then we talk about the the foundation here for the sure. Well. Of time. You know, for myself, I could go forever telling you, uh, but the long and short of it is I'm 40 years old and I spent the better part of 35 years of that playing hockey and 14 of those ended up being as a professional goaltender um, amongst the ECHL, AHL, NHL. Um, my claim to fame is I was the guy that Ovechkin did the hot stick on. That's about the only <laughs> thing I'm known for in the NHL. Nice. Uh, and then post-playing career, I've spent the last four years in media, two of which were with the Vegas Golden Knights on their broadcast team. The last two have been writing for Daily Faceoff and hosting on Sirius XM Radio. But I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and my grandfather was a huge, huge influence on me. He was one of the original 10, 12 guys in the St. Louis area that would skate on natural ice when they could. They'd have to drive to Springfield, Illinois to find a rink that had actual boards to play with. Oh, wow. That didn't exist in St. Louis in the 1940s, 50s. Um, and then when the Central Hockey League came to town years ago with the St. Louis Braves, the farm club for the Chicago Blackhawks at the time, Grandpa was a linesman in that league, which transitioned into him being an off-ice official with the NHL for St. Louis Blues games. But he continued to officiate youth hockey, high school level hockey, clear until his death at 76 years old. And um, for a long time, he was USA Hockey's oldest referee, oh, wow. <laughs> even though That's I, think he kept, I think he kept fudging his application every year and remained, I believe, 64 years old and he died at 76. <laughs> but they eventually caught up to it. And um, so, yeah, when when he passed away, I'll let Huddy lead into him for this and in, in what was was started in name in his honor, uh, the Memorial Scholarship Foundation. But yeah, Grandpa was a huge part of my life until, well, I guess I was 13 years old or so. And um, man, I think of him every day. You know, Very <laughs> just cool. um, the fun that he had with with refereeing and other things we used to do associated with hockey. So that's my background and where where Grandpa got his start. Nice, very cool, uh, Andy. So, what's your uh, what is your connection in, in hockey officiating? Where where did you kind of where did you start? Well, I was uh, I'm, I'm the son of a Air Force a retired Air Force officer, so we lived all over the place. But I really got my start out west in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, the the hockey hotbed of the West, and oh, man. then a, a little <laughs> a little more in Colorado, where I went to school. But eventually made my way to St. Louis and got really involved here with the local association. Um, I was privileged to work up to the minor pro level, uh, the old Western Pro Hockey League, Central Hockey League, United Hockey League, and even some of the ECHL games. But uh, 
more recently, I've been involved in like the mentorship of officials, coaching, um, you know, supervising, evaluating officials. And that really kind of floats my boat now more so than the actual skating. I just enjoy kind of passing on knowledge to the younger officials. Matter of fact, uh, in a couple of hours or uh, tomorrow morning, I'm on my way to the Central District Officiating Experience, which is up in Iowa. And uh, I'm uh, privileged to be the, one of the camp directors up there for that. But uh, as far as the foundation goes, when uh, Bill McKenna passed away uh, a couple years after he, he passed, um, the Missouri Ice Hockey Officials Association formed a foundation in his name. And it was modeled at, it was modeled after an organization called the Evans Scholarship Foundation, which is for golf caddies. And the, the impetus was, hey, this foundation is supporting golf caddies through scholarships for post-secondary education. Why don't we start something similar for hockey officials? So for years and decades, we did fundraisers. Uh, we sold concessions at the Blues games. We sold T-shirts down at the uh, old VP Fair, Mike, as you might remember, uh, and have had golf tournaments and, and other things. So um, our more recent uh, activities have been some uh, officiating camps or schools during the summer. And um, I know you guys are interested in learning a, bit, a little bit about that, too. So happy oh, to share I Absolutely. And I just so. want to give you guys a quick aside. I pulled this jersey out super quick here because Huddy and I first crossed paths um, at a higher level hockey in the okay. North American Hockey League, where I was okay. a contender for the Springfield Junior Blues. And we've got a Huddy, you you unearthed a picture from several years ago that was pretty good of you and I sharing the ice. And I was probably 17 years old. Oh, and uh, Huddy had a beautiful Cooper SK2000 helmet on with no oh, shield man, on it. And there just, you go. I mean, vintages could be. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure I did a very below average job in that game, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Goaltending yeah, probably wasn't much better. <laughs> right. You guys are probably before me because that's I swung through in the North American League probably 2004, 2005 is, is when I was on my way up. So that was. Should have been 99 to 2001. Uh, mm -hmm. and yeah. So I was late high school then, which I, you were too. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. Cool. Exactly. Cool. So, uh, so Bill McKenna was, he, he's, he had to have been big into like training officials and just kind of, you know, I mean, that, that's gotta be, like we talk about, you know, there's a lot of folks, the, the, the name on the, you know, the name on the foundation. Um, it, and it sounds like, so he's just a good, you know, all around good guy, just working, working for years. Right. I mean, is that, that's gotta be, you know, what, tell me more about him. Like what, you know, yeah, I, I mean, Mike has has got the greatest perspective because he is Bill's grandson. But right. Bill Bill has a plaque at the Kirkwood Ice Rink here, and he's called the Referee of Referees. It says it on there, um, and he just loved the game. I mean, he uh, he was skating on an outdoor rink, and Mike has told this story a number of times. And it was a little uh, it was a little hot that day, and there was a lot of water on the ice. And a kid came in and, and splashed the goalie with his stick with water and he gave him a minor penalty for splashing <laughs> <laughs> instead of like sportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. <laughs> so sounds so, like a penalty you could give here in Florida. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> he but was creative. He was yeah. creative, but he was also very beloved here in St. Louis. He also helped found the Kirkwood youth hockey association, which is one, one of the, the oldest youth hockey associations in St. Louis. He was a original member of the St. Louis amateur hockey hall of fame which is a, a wonderful organization here that's been around for maybe 10 years, Mike. And uh, just just a very well-known person. There are stories every time you're around hockey people, whether it's at a rink or on the golf course or, or elsewhere, there are stories about Bill that still live on today. He was also an amazing pitcher. And maybe, Mike, um, you could tell your story about how, how Bill – uh, his baseball versus hockey puck story or something. Yeah, there's no shortage of them, really, guys. We could go forever with these, but <laughs> I remember having been played, I don't know, I was like 13 or 14, and I think it was a high school game, but I played really well and it was against one of the best teams in town, and Grandpa came out really excited after the game. And I'll never forget, I'm sitting there in the passenger seat of the car, and he comes around and he goes, Michael, if I had known that hockey could have been this much fun, I would have never chased that little white ball around talking about <laughs> baseball. And he was like a like minor league level baseball player. Oh, wow. You know, he just didn't have access to hockey here. But yeah, there, there's there's a lot of stories. They're all funny. But really, when you break down to the core of it and 
even when I was a kid, I realized that that grandpa just liked to teach and he liked to share the game. And, you know, his big reason for refereeing was he enjoyed that locker room. He loved being around the other guys in the stripes and he liked helping kids learn how to play hockey. And that was his best Avenue to do it. He enjoyed that more than coaching, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just always had a knack for showing up at a public skate and helping a kid learn how to stop, you know, or just these, these little things. It's just who he was. Um, He just liked to pass his knowledge along. And I just think he liked to really see people enjoy this sport that he discovered on his own, that in this city in St. Louis just wasn't a thing. So whether he took some ownership in it, I'm not sure if that was any part of it, but you know, like Huddy said, man, like he was dating back to the very start here in town. Right. Um, yeah. Truly one of the forefathers of hockey here in the area. And it's amazing, you know, even 20 something years after his passing, it's hard for me to walk into a rink and talk to somebody under the, like over the age of 40, who does not have a memory of grandpa. Oh, wow. <laughs> like every time, you know, if they were around hockey in any capacity. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool in that way to have those moments kind of relived. That is pretty cool. That is really cool. So tell me a bit about the foundation. So what, you know, what, what is the goal? You know, you said you started off, you know, you started off selling concessions and stuff at the the blues games and, and, and all what, what, what is the, the whole, you know, kind of the, what, what brings the foundation together? What is the purpose and what do you guys, uh, you know, how long, and it's been around since 1999, it looks like, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bill passed in '97, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, and and this was formed in 1999. And really, That's it's to, it, it, it it's an effort to recognize, motivate, and retain officials through awarding you know young officials with uh, scholarship, financial aid for their post secondary education, whether it's trade school, college, university, or whatever. And um, there's a lot of scholarship foundations out there in sports and other avenues. And we're one of them. And we just like to think of ourselves as a way to continue to motivate and help young officials, especially offset their expenses to attend college. Because as much as we want to see these officials grow in the game of hockey and maybe make it to juniors, maybe make it to college, maybe make it to minor pro, those opportunities are so far and uh, few between that the importance of getting an education and furthering your career through that you know, path of education is, is, is so important. So um, the legacy that, 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 that Bill has through this foundation, I can't be more proud of being a member of this, uh, of the board and uh, through the, the, the fundraising efforts that we've, we've had before with golf tournaments and officiating camps and other things, we're just really pleased to be able to provide that opportunity and that support for, for young officials. You know, it's really, it's really gone from being, yeah, kind of rooted in what grandpa's philosophy was. Education was really important to him. I mean, it wasn't something I think we took for granted in our family at all. My dad went through university and then went on to dental school and I went through university. It just was something that I think was ingrained by my grandpa who, who'd really furthered that idea for people. And it is funny though, Huddy, how I think it's, it's almost transitioned though, more from being uh, something to shoot for its reward for the for the officials in town to now being about retention of officials too and being something mm-hmm. that's a carrot to hey if you guys do this there are incentives for you to keep doing so because you know how challenging the landscape is now to even get officials so right. it's it's still very much an incentive from the scholastic standpoint but it's also too just trying to keep officials invested and interested because we need them and I, if I talk to a kid who's 12, 13 years old and I say, hey, if you work hard for these next couple of years, we'll work some games, you have scholarship opportunities. Their eyes light up, you know, mm-hmm. as, as expensive as post-secondary education is now, that's a tangible thing. So it's it's kind of, it served its original purpose as honoring grandpa's legacy and it still does that. But now it's also folded in um, the extra layer of trying to make sure we can keep this game going and safe and have officials that frankly, want to be on the ice and want to make a difference. Yeah. I think that education piece is important too, because that's something that, you know, Ross and I have talked about this and, and everyone else has kind of, you know, in our circle where how many folks we know um, gave up school to chase 
whether it's the, you know, deficiency development program, whether it's, you know, it's, it's minor pro hockey, you know, where, Hey, if there's an incentive, then they get to where maybe where we are now, you know, mid thirties, uh, or so, um, uh, and suddenly it's, man, that, that last two years of college seems further, you know, than it was when they were 20. Um, and I think that's kind of that important, you know, I think that's something that's often overlooked is the value of, hey, staying in an, you know, in education um, and oh. whatever that is, because anybody who keeps up with, especially on the officiating side, I don't know a single non, you know, contract either 40-40 or full-time NHL referee or linesman that doesn't have some type of other job, you know. Um, or didn't train you know or go to school or correct yeah yeah something right i mean there's there's a couple but there's not it's not like hey um all i do is this yeah right well and education's so huge because i know like i'm one of the guys that was like i'll put school on pause and i'll go referee for a little while i'll try this whole thing out so now though like i always tell our young guys that are coming up like hey you know if you're gonna go and do the odp you're gonna go do this go do that please go to school. Don't, don't be like me when I got out of the military at 28 years old, going to school full-time on my GI bill, as fun as that was, but it's still like, you know, it kind of delayed me a little bit. So yeah, education is obviously a huge thing. Now the scholarship itself, right? So we're giving you guys your foundation, you give it out to a, um, obviously young official in the local association, correct? Um, and then like, what are the ages or is, is it kind of like open to any of the young officials under a certain age or are they already in school? Like what's the criteria for the, uh, for the scholarship? So, so we accept applicants from, um, from all over the St. Louis area for the McKenna Scholarship Foundation. And it just depends on how many applicants we receive and, and then the quality of the applications and the contents of those applications. And we look at things like, you know, how committed are they to hockey officiating? Mm -hmm. What is their other extracurricular activities? Uh, what are they giving back to the community already through, you know, community service or other volunteerism and stuff like that? So there isn't a set number of scholarships we give out yeah. each year. Um, I do know that there's an effort to kind of formalize that. But going back since this inception, there's probably... Mm -hmm. I'd say 50 or 60 officials that have received some sort of scholarship during okay. that time. Um, and some of them have, have moved on to, you know, bigger and better things, but, um, but the officiating camps that we've conducted and including the shares officiating school, Jay shares became connected with our foundation because he lived in St. Louis for a number of years and uh, several of us got to know him quite well and being just, you know, an ambassador to the sport and a trailblazer as being the first ever black official in the NHL is quite something. And he's just a solid human being. I mean, just an amazing person. And he's so he serves on our board in addition to partnering with us for his school, which is coming up in August. And okay. um, the, the unique element of that program is that everybody volunteers that's uh, that, that, that instructs. And we seek sponsors to help raise money for the scholarships that we ultimately will grant. And through that uh, camp or school, those campers or students um, will be the ones eligible for a kind of a sub scholarship specifically um, for the funds raised from the J shares officiating school. Oh, okay. So, so an, um, an additional yeah. scholarship then for those that do attend the J shares camp. Yes, absolutely. That's how that works. And I have a connection from being uh, living in Colorado for a number of years. Jay was based in uh, Phoenix, Arizona for a number of years. And so we decided to take that school out to the Colorado area to kind of expand our reach from outside of St. Louis. Um, and we've got great partners out in Colorado through some relationships that we have out there. And we can't be more excited uh, for this second year coming up. Okay. So where, I guess, where in Colorado, what rank, what like dates? Um to kind of jump into the camp since we've uh it's part of what you know we're talking about with the summer camp stuff with us having sierra and now you guys with right the scholarship and now the camp uh maybe give us some of the details of that sure sure so it's a three-day uh camp august 4th through the 6th and it's at uh, the the blue sports stable uh blue is the blue federal credit union that's their new uh, title sponsor but uh that's in uh kind of between boulder and denver superior colorado 
a wonderful facility, uh, two sheets of ice, awesome indoor training center, um, nice locker room facilities. It's the home of the Rough Riders AAA program, which is a very well-known program based out in the Denver area. But um, we bring officials in uh, on a Friday afternoon. Um, we have some welcome sessions. Uh, Jay has tons of connections out there in the world of retired and current NHL officials. So we have mm -hmm. like Dave, Dave Jackson, who is the ESPN analyst, is going to join us. Brad Watson, who's one of the top retired NHL officials and then current NHL official Tom Chimlewski. I hope I said that name right. Uh, yeah. Chimo. Um, you got it right. And, yeah. Um, and so those. <laughs> we those came up through the a, Iron League together, man. We were in the American League for a while. Oh, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's, That's a great guy. So, uh, but. But what makes our school unique, other than the, you know, the fact that we're raising money for the scholarships is we've really started to integrate, like, not only are we developing you as an official, we're really trying to kind of incorporate that life skills development. Mm -hmm. And we're dealing, we're dealing with a lot of young officials here. This is different maybe than some of the USA hockey camps where you have to be 18 or 20 or 20, you know, yeah. we're dealing with as young as 14. Okay. And the majority of officials are in that teenage age group. We Now, we do have some 20-somethings and 30-somethings and even some 40-year-olds, which it's fantastic. They all gain information from this. But really, we, we're really focused on that grassroots young official that maybe only has one or two years of experience. And we can kind of give them a little bit richer content, a little bit deeper understanding of some of the officiating nuances out there. Um, through game, we do live game evaluations with 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 on ice mentors, but also video supplement. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've seen at other camps. But that life skills thing is 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 kind of a message that goes throughout the camp. It's like, hey, yeah. you know, coming to your game looking professional, arriving to the rink and and behaving in a certain manner. That whole comportment thing about how you carry yourself as a person and as an official will really take you a long way through life. And I know Mike. That's probably great in your kind of media career, too, is just how you carry yourself, yeah. uh, you know, as a person. Yeah, and it can make a big difference because you are you're teaching life skills here and not just on the ice, but in a classroom setting, like to me, learning how to ask the right questions, learning how to gather feedback from what you're doing. That all matters. Like the best players are no different than the best officials. You're constantly seeking feedback and affirmation of what you're doing on the ice. And, and there's a, there's a real kind of nuance to that in some ways. So um, having seen some of the things that go on to the camp, it's, it's really encouraging, but it's also, again, within that context of younger officials here. And yeah. that's really, you know, grandpa and his friends who they, you know, they had the most fun with seeing a young official move on to college, to juniors, you know, some of the ones that he felt directly, you know, in some ways responsible for helping them improve, ended up working some of my games later on. I mean, even up to the American Hockey League, which was really cool. So cool. Um, it, it's, you know, I won't say that it's like a hyper-focused format, but I do think we, within the camp with Jay, mm -hmm. with Huddy, we, we know the niche um, and, and it's starting to really bear fruit to what that original vision was. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny you talk about the life skill stuff because, you know, obviously camps and and uh, the things we do on the ice, like we try to get better and whatnot. But I couldn't tell you how much of my life outside of hockey officiating has affected and helped me be better at handling just anything in life because I can go up and down the 200 by 85, getting screamed at, managing personalities, um, dealing with any sort of adversity. And then you take everything you learn there and then you bring it to your real life. And now, yeah. you know, dealing with anything off the ice is yeah, whatever. I mean, you think know. about it, Ross. You've had people screaming at you. I've been booed in front of millions of people before in a past <laughs> life. <laughs> Do you think that there's ever going to be any aversion for myself to walk into a meeting with somebody that's considered important or powerful? Not at all. <laughs> I could care less because yep. you're not going to get embarrassed like I have. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? Like It's just, it's well, reality though. I mean, like if yeah. you want to be a goalie, if you want to be an, an official, you got to have thick skin. Yeah. But I don't think you're just born with thick skin. I think you develop it over time. Oh, absolutely. And learning how to manage that is a really important piece of officiating, of goaltending, of, of high-level sports in general. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yep. All about stress management and knowing, you know, your strengths and weaknesses. And, and it's nice that like a, a, the camp that, uh, you know, Jay's running that you guys focus on some of that stuff in the, in the classroom. And um, it definitely helps set up everyone for future success that, or success that, you know, goes through the officiating ranks. Cause obviously not everyone's getting to a three letter league or a four letter right. league, you know? Right. And Jay and, and, and one of Jay's and his his brother, Matt, who had a very rich career playing hockey as well, I think made it to the American Hockey League, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, uh, but is now uh, on several boards in, in business and high level corporate boards, very successful person. His foundation is called Enjoy the Journey, ETJ. And, mm-hmm. and, and really, that's what the message about too at the school is let's enjoy the journey that we're on right now and try to make the best of it if we can enjoy ourselves where we're at today we're going to get better tomorrow and we're going to have a much a much fuller life um it's it's an amazing opportunity for young officials i i wouldn't discourage older officials to join us certainly because (laughs) we did have some 30 something and 40 somethings that got a lot out of it and lots of times it kind of recharges a batteries for officials that are maybe a little bit longer in the tooth they get to work with some young kids they get to we actually take them and say hey you're one of the older guys here or gals we want you to kind of serve as a mentor to the younger people through this camp and maybe that you know maybe that segues into them being an instructor or being a mentor out in their local community too which would be fantastic so yeah well and something that just like what you're just talking about and then what what mike had said about his grandpa you know going out and loving teaching the game I think that's something that we as officials, um, you know, obviously our first few years, you know, we're learning, you know, we're trying to figure out how to, you know, go blue line to blue line or goal line to goal line, whatever. But eventually like part of our role as an official on the ice is that education side of teaching the young players. Like when I'm going out, you know, if we go out and do a peewee game or a, a squirt game, you know, little kids, or even when we're working the junior players, you know, there's still educational moments to be had. Now, whether or not they understand that we're trying to educate them is is different. <laughs> but, you know, the education side of and, and the passion of teaching the game is something that a lot of us as officials forget about where, you know, Mike was saying his grandpa, like that's one of the, you know, things that he enjoyed most about it was the, edu- you know, teach going out and being on the ice and teaching. Well, I think it's cool. I think uh, I think there's an avenue. Like I said if I when I was 12, 13, 14 well, when I was a young teenager, it'd be really cool to get on the ice. You know, I just thought it was great to get on the ice with anybody who had worked any higher level than I did. So to be able to have, you know, a good a good volunteer staff um, to really kind of dangle that carrot as well uh, in front of some young guys who may only realize that, hey, this could be more. This could be more than just your high school side gig that pays a lot better um, than washing dishes or working fast food. Right. And, and, and let's face it, we have to be our own cheerleaders and our own managers for our officiating career. And so we, we have Kendall Hanley from the North American hockey league. She's going to be part part of the camp too. And she's going to talk about opportunities and officiating. And there's so many out there that you don't have to go through the juniors to still have a rich career. You don't have to make it to the American Hockey League or the National Hockey League to have a rich career in officiating. Um, but you, you do have to you do have to know people. You have to kind of promote yourself in a way. And you have to just learn to meet new people and take those opportunities as they come. So um, we do have an element of that within the school. It's certainly not our main focus, but there is an opportunity for officials that want to get exposed to um, and meet people and, and higher levels of, of, of officiating concepts as well. Cool. Well, uh, you know, we're kind of hitting our time. So we'll wrap stuff up here real quick, but I want to mention you guys talked about a golf tournament. So when does that, anybody who wants to, to fly in for a cool, you know, meet some, meet some folks or sign up for a golf tournament. When do you guys normally do that? Mike, uh, I think we did, we've done it in July the past couple of years or maybe August. It's moved around. Uh, it's COVID years were interesting. We took a couple of years off. We're still evaluating what we're going to do with that. That has been one of our main drivers along with the camps. So, um, but you know, the main, when you do something like this, your main goal is to get the scholarship fund itself to become self-perpetuating. Right. And thankfully that's really the goal for us is to try to keep building so that um, the fundraising side of it remains important and an Mm -hmm. aspect, but ultimately it can take care of itself in perpetuity if we can. So um, golf tournaments, one of those things, we don't have a date set for this coming season or this summer. 
when you get the dates, let us know so that we can uh, we can put it out there on yeah. our end. We also tried we also tried something during COVID and it didn't really take off. It was kind of modeled after the ice bucket challenge. We had a skate a lap for Bill effort, and uh, I think I went around and skated a lap in a a rink that I was led into during COVID and made a donation in the name of just skating a lap for Bill. So we might try to resurrect that Mike sometime. I think, yeah. you know, now would be a good time. And uh, maybe you could go out there and uh, with your goalie pads on and, and, yeah. and try, try not to fall, <laughs> try not to fall yeah. over. Yeah. I, t- I tell you what though, like what's, what's just been really cool about this and what I always hope comes of it is just more people are exposed to officiating and that yeah. we do get to retain more people at the, at the absolute core of it. To me, that's what matters. And having a grandpa who was, so immersed in this affected me in such a positive way and it affected my relationships on the ice Mm -hmm. i loved it when the whistle blew and the linesman or official referee would come over and we'd get to talk a little bit on the ice you know like i I felt they were an ally to me as a goaltender and i had to weaponize that but it was actually (laughs) born of a it was just born of friendship man and i can i'll tell you what i can remember this clear as day though and it may have been Johnny Johnny Bear, but I can remember looking over after something that happened on the ice and kind of smiling and saying hi. And he thought that I was chirping him, <laughs> and and he got like all defense. And I was like, whoa, whoa, like, no, man, I'm actually saying like, nice job there. Like, come over yeah. here, let's talk. Like, yeah, th- it was a great point though to how often officials become used to just being completely disrespected on the ice that yep. almost becomes the mindset of this is going to become adversarial and confrontational and it wasn't you know so yeah that was such a funny moment because jean and i after that always laughed you know mm-hmm. hey you having a terrible day yeah awful you know and then we'd laugh or whatever it was but um it's just a great point man like i think it, it doesn't just help the the officials, it helps the players too, to understand mm-hmm. you got some people here and and the more people that are exposed, the more dads, more brothers, more everybody, you know, people only get better in how they treat one another and tolerate one another when there's proximity Yep. Yeah. and people that have officials in their families, whole boy is oh, yeah. a lot different than people who don't, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. absolutely. And it, it's funny. Cause I was just about to ask you, you know, Mike, you got any good stories about something that happened on the ice, just something funny or whatever, and you just shared. Oh, that's a, that, I mean, that's prime example right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, then I just, just cause I'm going to throw uh, one of our mutual friends under the bus. You got anything funny about Jamie? <laughs> so Jamie Koharski. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, Jamie and I were teammates, little known fact. Oh, no and, way. Uh, I didn't know yeah, we, he was <laughs> at the Creve Corps Comet in St. Louis. He was my defenseman. <laughs> and so, Jamie, we go to this tournament in Houston, Texas, of all places. And this is the mid-90s. So you can imagine the level of competition, but we're there. It's a double-A-level <laughs> tournament. We fly into Houston. And let's just say that in Coho's eyes, the officiating was slightly <laughs> below par. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I believe he received a penalty that he, te- he deemed it two minutes for receiving. Um, <laughs> he refuses to admit being a perpetrator involved, but he ended up in the penalty box through the end of the third and they wouldn't let him out when the Zamboni went around the ice after the game was over and we're in the locker room going, where's Coho? We can't find him. And he's still locked in the cage. He's between the glass in the penalty box in Houston. Oh, wow. He wasn't pleased about that. Um, but the Koharski family is pretty near and dear to me. Um, yeah. You know, his dad, Don coached that team for us. And years later, you know, that's when I was 13. Yeah. And my first NHL game or games was, I think, at 25, either 24 or 25. My first NHL win and shutout was refereed by Don Koharski in Tampa. Oh, Don was on the ice. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Called two two pretty frivolous minors in the last five minutes on the New York Islanders. Um, (laughs) I think he might have been helping me a bit. And he's retired, so I feel better about saying that now. But the hard part is Kyle Ocposo got a breakaway coming out of the penalty box with seven seconds left, and I had to save Uh-oh. that. We, we won. It was one nothing. But um, that was amazing, though. I'll leave it on that, that it, to have yeah. him on the ice cool. was incredible. And then 
when Don retired, the last game uh, that he ever officiated was in Tampa. Yep. And, you know, I was on the bench for it. And then afterwards there was a, a celebration for him. And I yeah, got to I heard present. the party was, or, <laughs> it was a good one. Yeah. Um, but you know, Hey, I got to present a stick to him from our team and some other gifts uh, on behalf of it. They let me speak, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And even, you know, Terry Koharski uh, was yep. an just integral retired. person on the ice forever. Yeah. I mean, just every bit of success I had in the American league, he was the guy on the ice for, and we've built an incredible relationship over the years. So awesome. I love the Koharski family. Yeah. I just, you know, I mean, I'm pre- I've become pretty good friends with Jamie over the last few years. So having you on, I was like, Ooh, I gotta, I gotta see if I can get a good one out of Mike. About well, you, you also got to ask J- Jamie who his linesman was for his first ever pro referee gig. Having oh, t- I think that was you, right? It was me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm there's on plenty the, of synergies I'm, here. I, I, I'm on the phone with the, the commissioner, Mitch, uh, uh, what was his name? Mitch Lamaru from the United Hockey League. We didn't, we only had two guys show up for the game and the, the referee didn't show up. So I said, well, I've got my orange armbands. We got, I local got a guy. Line, we got a local linesman stepping in and he goes, we'll put Jamie on. Jamie's like 17. And Jamie picks up the phone and says, hello, Mr. Lamaru. And <laughs> Mitch, I guess said, you're refing. And he said, well, Okay. <laughs> oh, man. and then and then he asked me for, to borrow some orange armbands because he didn't have any <laughs> love it what the love united it. hockey league needs to have a movie produced about it oh 100%. I mean, it's, already, it's already got that netflix special right yeah yeah, yeah trashers was, yeah yeah yep. that was a that was a special league <laughs> oh wow well, well it's been, this has been pretty awesome guys i mean it's always you know mike great having you on andy you know awesome always we're hanging out man we could talk for another hour if we really uh really let ourselves but oh that's usual goalies talk to officials right the linesmen talk to the goalie sitting on the bench and referees they said are on the goal line so it's just kind of natural we're yep same team and uh, oh and i'd like but before my battery runs out of my laptop here i'd like to offer everybody the opportunity to go to mckennascholarship.com that's where we have everything posted whether it's our golf tournament or the j share school and you can just read a little bit about the foundation there as well very cool perfect and we will uh i will definitely have that link in the um the subject line for uh this particular episode of the podcast fantastic Awesome. Thanks for giving us a platform today, guys. Really cool to talk with you. No, absolutely. Well, Thank you. Yeah, best pleasure to have you guys on. And best best of luck with everything, guys. Thanks a lot. Yep. Cheers. Well, thank you guys. We appreciate you coming on for the interview. And with that, uh, Nat and I will uh, throw it back to ourselves to finish up this episode of the podcast. Well, everyone, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Mike McKenna and Andy Hudson about the Bill McKenna Scholarship Foundation. It was yeah. awesome talking to them. Dude, it was good. Mike's got that smooth voice, right? Oh, absolutely. You, know, so. <laughs> you can you can tell a he's a goalie. Yeah. Pretty like goalies are one of two things. They're either really out there or really put together. Right. And Mike's definitely really put together. And obviously, like he's been on he's been on NHL Network Radio. He's been on the broadcast for the Knights he's a little bit more of a qualified broadcaster than we are but hey you know know what whatever mike's awesome andy's awesome i I think obviously you know hearing everything about the scholarship you know and and his grandpa who uh gave a lot back to the community sounded like just an outstanding individual yeah absolutely and again i wanted to say that that it's really cool you know, the opportunities for a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid um, to be able to interact with someone from the NHL, you know, that's awesome. I kind of said oh, it yeah, earlier. The, but at Jay's camp. Absolutely. At Jay's camp, yeah, you know, that, that, that they support. You know, that, that stuff's awesome. Um, that's something that, that, I mean, I thought it was cool with just being able to skate a game with the guy who's the local linesman, you know, for the crunch when I first started, right? So, yeah. Um, but they were, yeah, I think they were really great guys. Hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Um, we've got more, should have more coming. Uh, yep, more summer camp stuff. Um, we're going to have Brandon Bourgeois, who is the uh, other side of Team Stripes, uh, the originator of the podcast. We're going to talk about the uh, the Team Stripes camp that they are doing up in Canada, up out in the Maritimes um, with Atlantic Hockey um, that him and his dad runs. So we're going to have him on. 
Uh, I got to reach out to another couple of camps to get them on so we can do some more summer camping. Um, and then I think also I want to get, um, and I already talked to uh, Gino Jr. I want to get him on again. We're going to talk about his new job and what's going forward there. Uh, yep. A bunch of other stuff in the works. Um, and uh, I, I honestly, the uh, one of the highlights of the interview, obviously finding out about the scholarship, talking about the camp. But I, I had to throw my buddy, one of my good friends, under the bus, um, <laughs> and get a, a quick little story out of Mike. So, uh, Jamie, I, I hope you got a good laugh out of that when you get to listen. So, Absolutely. and everybody, and everybody else as well, because you know, good, good people, and, and it, it's funny too, like how everyone's kind of connected in this, um, yeah. with with that part of it. And he uh, finally got out of that penalty box. So, you know, yeah, he, yeah, he did. He's not still sitting in the he's penalty not box. Still sitting in the penalty box in Houston. So, <laughs> cool. Anyway, right. uh, now you got anything else? Man, I got nothing else for this one. This is a good one. I like it. Awesome. Well, everybody, we appreciate you listening. Um, our episode that we released last week with uh, Mr. Action Jackson uh, has done really well. We appreciate everyone that listened to that. We're definitely going to be getting a part two of the, uh, uh, with him as well, because it's just going to be another uh, story time episode. So with that, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, if you're listening on Tuesday, I guess we'll see what happens with the Stanley Cup finals. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, you already know what happened. And uh, we will catch you next time on the Team Stripes podcast. See you. This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white.